How many of you are thankful to be in the house of God this morning? You thankful to be in the house of God this morning? Come on, let's be thankful today. I was saying earlier that we may come in here, that fear may be coming into the house, but I believe that courage is going to leave, that anxiety and even depression can come into this house, but I believe that people are going to leave with joy. And I believe that God's going to do something today um, through the message and just through our time spent in God's Word. But before I even begin today, I, I want to first off admonish and honor my vision pastors, Pastor Mike and Pastor Angel Pelkey. They are phenomenal people. Phenomenal people. Uh, what you see is what you get. They are genuine, they are real. Um, and I would not be where I am today without them, just plain and simple. My family wouldn't be, my, my marriage, my, uh, where I am, even as a pastor, uh, because of their investment and pouring into my life. But I don't know about you, I'm thankful for people that invest and pour into us. How many of you are thankful for Pastor Micah, Pastor Angel? So grateful for them and all they do. Just honored to get to, get to speak to you all today. I want to talk about a concept I would call solitary animals. Let's say that together today. Solitary animals. Solitary, alone, isolated, drawn back. As, as we continue in our animal series, and I thought about some different things and maybe even messages I've preached, but this message I've been working on and really struck hard with me just the importance of association, the importance of the church, the importance of us being together. So you hear us say time and time again, we are better, we are better together, better together. And, and I thought about that, I thought about what are some of the dangers of living a solitary or an isolated life? But before I begin, I'd like to show a picture of my little wolf cub. We're going to be talking about wolves today. This is my little cub. Her name is Ella. So Ella in this picture decided that my eye socket was the most comfortable place to rest her head. Like this, like, just fit perfectly right in there. So this morning, Whitney could attest to this, this morning, she made the decision to do that for the duration of an hour and a half. She never left that position. So I'm getting ready in the morning. I'm brushing my beard out, trying to do my hair. It's really hard when you have a kid that's literally laying into your eye. But she is the epitome of um, a wild child. She is my wild child. I love it because I can roughhouse with her. I can play with her. But every once in a while, she will have these moments, some of you have seen it, where she just goes, and she just has enough. She's done. She's done. She starts shaking and convulsing. I start speaking over her, just like, shut up, just, you know, just like casting demons out of her. And, but, but what I've learned from her is she is a very independent kid. She will come to dad for two things, just two things. She'll come to me for when she feels like she needs a little bit of affection. And then she'll come to me when she needs food. That's it. But it's always on her terms. 
It's never on, on daddy's terms. It's always on her terms, what Ella wants. So when Ella wants to be held, Ella wants to be held. Ella doesn't want to be held. She just shakes her head and walks away. When Ella wants food, she goes like this, please. When she really wants food, <laughs> she does that. I'm not joking. She clenches her fists and does that. And I'm like, I, I think she's threatening my life right now. Little one and a half year old. But today I want to talk about solitary animals. And just like even my daughter, we are all susceptible to be what I would call lone wolves. Can we say that together today? Lone wolves. Lone wolves that every one of us in this room has the potential to separate and to isolate ourselves from what is most healthy, most beneficial for us. And, and we will see all through culture what I would call lone wolves. You'll hear people say stuff like, I am self-made. And I can do this on my own. That I am better by myself. I don't need you. I don't need others. I'm better off alone. Better off by myself. How many of you know that nobody gets to where they are by themselves? That we all need each other. That I need you and you need me. That we need each other. Nobody is self-made. Every one of us is where we are today. Hopefully because people have poured into our lives, have seen something in us, have decided, hey, that's worth investing in. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for people pouring into me. I'm not self-made. I'm not, I haven't done this on my own. But, but culture will oftentimes enamor people or get people thinking that being by yourself is a good thing. That being your own person is a good thing. We see the narrative. It's all about you, 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 you. And I wanted to speak into that today and just even praying over the message this past week. And looking throughout society, I think if we're honest with ourselves today, we are dealing with a world right now that is very, very much isolated, very pulled back into themselves. You'll see people that will be acting out of their preferences more than ever, that they'll be giving their opinions more than ever. You'll see people that will be depressed and will pull back and will not associate with other people more than ever. You'll see time and time again, people will draw back and isolate themselves. But I want to talk about the dangers today of isolation. Can somebody say that today? Today, isolation. Isolation. So in talking about wolves, just some facts about wolves and, and what they do. A, a wolf would, will find a mate and they will stay together for better or for worse until one of them passes away. It's typical, typical that an alpha male and female will breed and they will have up to 30 to even 40 uh, cubs over the span of their lifetime and will build, will build a, a, an, an adult pack together. Uh, wolves will die for each other. That Not only will they live together as long as they can, but wolves develop a strong social bond for their family and other loved ones. They have been known to sacrifice themselves for the survival of the pack, whether it means 
that some will forego eating so others can eat. Some will put themselves in harm's way so that they can protect others, whether it's dealing with bears or other wolf packs. You'll know a wolf by its very characteristic, uh, unique, beautiful howl, that they'll have this howl that is their primary communication tool. It's between the, both lone wolves and their pack, as well as between packs. And when it comes to territory, a uh, uh, pack, their howling will actually determine the size or the strength of that pack. They'll often say that a wolf's howl will determine, and they will talk about through their howl, weather patterns and whether or not to attack or to retreat. So the howl is pretty important. Wolves will be as long as really tall people, but extremely fast. Uh, the average female wolf is four and a half to six feet from nose to tail. Males can grow all the way up to six and a half feet if they're a timber wolf. This is partly why they can sprint up to 36 to 38 miles per hour, short distances. I don't know about you, but I can maybe hit um, on a good day, maybe 10. I don't know. Maybe not even 10. I don't know. So the wolf would have me for dinner. Uh, though unless they are in the chase, they tend to cruise at a more leisurely pace of five miles per hour. Thank you, Lord. Marathon runners, they will go above the noted speed, but not super fast. Um, wolves are ultra-marathon endurance hunters. They have been known to track, trace their prey for hours. Some wolves they have tracked and traced for 20-plus hours in order to find their prey. They're that consistent. They're that, um, that strong, and they will have that much endurance. They have an added bonus of a high HQ, or sorry, IQ, an excellent sense of hearing and smell, all of which they put to good use in rounding up their next meal. A wolf can eat a large amount, as much as nine kilograms in one sitting, thus saying the alpha male is the first to eat and will devour most of the meat while the pack follows after the alpha male. Also, this, this is partly because their bad reputation is really a survival tactic as they never know when their next meal will be, and it's important that the alpha stays healthy. You'll hear uh, the story of Red Riding Hood where she says, oh, Grandma, what big ears and nose and hands you have. Uh, a wolf's paw will get up to five inches long, so it will be the average size of a human hand. So not like your little poodle. We have at our, our house, we have a little miniature Labradoodle, and this wolf would eat that thing and probably not even be satisfied at all. So, and sometimes I want, I want him to be fed up to wolves, honestly. But, but in talking about lone wolves, that we deal with a culture that is very, it's very inundated and it's very prevalent in our society that so many people feel like they can do it alone. We talk about isolation, and the definition for isolation would be a condition of being apart from all human beings or of being cut off by wish or circumstances. So, in other words, isolation can either be pressured on you because of things you've dealt with or because of choices you've made, but ultimately it will always fall back to a choice. The choice you make, whether things have happened to you or things you've just decided to do on your own. Isolation is always... A choice. You see, we can be living a life of isolation among people, not just physically separating, it's mentally separating. And what I want to talk about today also is we can spiritually distance ourselves. 
That it's very easy in the world we live right now to pull back, to shrink back, to think that we are better off alone, that nobody cares, nobody's fighting with us, nobody is worried about us. The lie of the enemy will try to isolate you and cause you to feel like where you're at in your life doesn't matter. And nobody sees you. And nobody notices. When I, when I think of things that would isolate ourselves, and there's a list of them, I could keep going on and on, but I wrote down some things that I think really do drive people into isolation. One of the first things I wrote was pride. Pride, that we can ultimately believe that we truly are better alone. You've probably encountered people that they would never rely on anybody. They're, they're convinced that what they have and what they're able to do is good enough, and they're convinced that they can do it better than anybody else. You hear that old Broadway musical song, anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. But people will live, live out that narrative. Will live out the thought pattern of anything you can do, I can actually do it better. And if you don't notice that I can do it better, I'm gone. And I'm out of here. And I'm going to choose to isolate myself and essentially rob myself of what God has for me because I'm more determined about what I want what I want to get, my preference, my abilities, what I have to say than the people around me. Shame is another one that you can oftentimes discount yourself before you even get started. Before you even begin the race God has for you, people will fall back in shame because the enemy will try to bring up time and time again, do you remember when you did that? And do you remember when you messed up there? And we'll throw your past or even your present in your face and will cause you to believe that you are better off alone because you do not want anybody to see what you've been through or what you've done, let alone God. Fear is a big one. I think we all would agree that fear plays such a big role. It's such a big motivator in people's lives and the decisions they make. And just speaking candidly, what we encounter on social media, some of you are scrolling through social media over and over, and then you wonder at the end of the day why you have a spirit of fear. Bible talks about not to have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I don't know if everything we see on social media is sound. Actually, I know it isn't. All you have to do is scroll long enough, and before you know it, the spirit of fear is set in your heart. If you're not careful, you will get to a point where fear will control the narrative of your life, and you will make choices based upon that fear to pull back. I, I was talking to one of our, our staff the other day, and he owns a side business, a food business, and there's a lady that he delivers to. And it's, it's, it's touchless, it's, you know, it's all those things, and she would be in her house, um, he'll set, set the food at the door, set the food at the door, and then he'll ring the doorbell, just let her know it's there, and that's fine. But then he told me that he reached out to her, and this lady said back to him, I just don't feel like I'm in a place, I just don't want to talk to people. 
So this lady has been doing it for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And I, and I couldn't help but think how fear, how fear can cause people to retreat. How, how fear can cause people to, to sacrifice what's even most beneficial for them. Fear is such a powerful agent in the decisions we make. We see insecurity that people feel they're not good enough. We see hurt that people will say, well, I've been hurt before and I'm not going back. I've had friends that will hurt me, have hurt me in the past. I'm not going to make new friends. I've, I've had leaders that have hurt me in the past. I'm not going to trust new leaders. I've had people in my life that have caused hurt and pain, I'm not going back. Better to be isolated. We see bitterness that the Bible talks about that a bitter root will spring forth and defile many, but people will get bitter because they will isolate themselves and all they hear is their own thoughts. It's all they hear is, is their own narrative and what they've been telling themselves the, the most. They're not, they're not getting words from God. They're not asking other people what they think. They're, they're only listening to what's going on on the inside of their own mind. And how many of you know our own minds can be very deceiving? They can be so deceiving at times that if I allow Josiah Booker to constantly listen to what's going on in his own mind, I don't trust my own mind all the time. I don't trust my own mind. That's why it's so important for us. The Bible talks about talks about to purify my heart, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. There's something important about every day purifying yourself before God because we can so easily trust our own thoughts, or our own motives, but oftentimes they are what's most deceptive. Unmet expectations that you thought life would go one way and it's going another way. How many of you thought 2020 <laughs> would go one way and it went whoop, Pulled a 180 on you. It was like, what in the world? U-turn. Like, there wasn't even, like, it wasn't even legal. It was like red light, U-turn. Like, how did that even happen? But life will, will, will feed you unmet expectations that you can get disenfranchised with the idea of what you thought should happen. Well, God, I thought this should happen. I thought by this time my business. I thought by this time my marriage. I thought by this time my career. I thought by this time my family. And if it does not arrive at the specific, precise time you want to, you pull back. You retreat. You make a decision to isolate. And comparisons would be another that you will rob yourself of your God-given potential because you're more concerned about the potential you see in other people and the giftings you see in other people. And people will, will draw back because of that. I could go on and on about things that people will do to isolate themselves, but, but I think it's important that we understand that isolation is not healthy. And I'm not just talking about physical isolation today. I'm talking about mental in spiritual isolation, that you can be in a room of people like we are today and still be isolated. You can still have things in your life that you've pulled back, uh, promises that, that, that God has put in your heart, things that God has, desires and different things that you have pulled back from because you just, you're fed up. And you made a decision to, to isolate. But in Scripture, it talks about this. It gives us very clear 
clear judgment when it comes to isolation. Proverbs 18 says, whoever isolates, somebody say isolate. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against some, all sound judgment. Isolation is not healthy. Ecclesiastes 4.9, we will we'll hear this in weddings. Every wedding, you, you will, you'll hear this from time to time. But Ecclesiastes 9 says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If, if one person fails, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, alone, is in real trouble. So Scripture is very clear that we need two things. We need Jesus and we need each other. We need Jesus and we need each other. Let's say that one more time. Jesus, each other. How oftentimes can we pull back because we're more concerned about other things? Israel Moraiver says this, that you are the salt of the earth, but remember that salt is useful when in association, but useless in isolation. You, uh, useful in association, but useless in isolation. So, in other words, every day presents a choice, an opportunity to choose to isolate, to choose to live a life of solitary confinement, to choose to pull back or to associate. It talks about the salt of the earth, salt. How, how does salt work? The Bible talks about the importance of salt, that it's, you can't lose your saltiness because when you do, people won't know who you are. But when he talks about that salt is useless in isolation, the truth is, is that's very true. Salt has to be, if it's just alone, it's really not that tasty. But when salt is put on a nice steak, thank you, Jesus. Come on, or some mashed potatoes. Oh, I heard a hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's get hungry. When salt is paired with something, come on, you know, it makes it taste good. Put some salt on those fries. You ever gotten a, you ever gotten a thing of fries and it... And you get the thing of fries, and you're so excited, this good, crispy, fluffy goodness. And you go reach, and it's just like dull. And like, ugh, no salt. No salt, no salt. I never bring it back because I'm just too nice. But man, sometimes I want to. Like, this does not have enough salt on it. But when, when that applies to our life, is we have to make sure that we are together. No one's going to know what God's doing in your life if you're not around to show it. No one's going to see Christ living on the inside of you if you aren't in proximity to show it. If we don't allow God to do something new, if we don't allow to... Here's the thing. I don't think it's comfortable to always be in association because I think it, we, we risk exposure. That we risk something that we're worried people might see because every one of us has insecurities. Shocker. Every one of us has insecurities we deal with. And we will think that, well, we're better off in the shadows because we just don't want people to know 
our faults, our insecurities. It's a lie of the enemy. You know, in Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, And though a man might prevail, prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A three-folded cord is not quickly broken. We need each other's story side. If you get nothing today, we need each other, and we need Jesus. We need each other. This is such a pivotal time in, in, in this society, pivotal time in our history. We need to understand that we are to take steps forward. When I think of isolation as we're getting to, ready to wrap up, you will see that scientifically in nature, a, a lone wolf, a wolf that is out of the pack, will be very susceptible to attack. So the, the, the power and the unity that comes from a wolf pack provides protection from other packs and predators. And, but when I think of isolation, isolation for you and I, when we choose to live a life based upon isolated moments or to isolate ourselves, we are making ourselves susceptible to the enemy. Susceptible. I, I can oftentimes, and I've counseled many people, but I can oftentimes trace back with people, whether it's couples or whether it's individual counseling, people that I've talked to, nine out of ten times, it, an addiction, a hurt, a pain, anything, a lot of these things will trace back. There was a decision that was made to isolate. Like, how did I get here? And you can always trace it back to you made a decision somewhere along the line to pull back. Right? To protect. But, but we see that isolation makes us susceptible. You'll see a pack means, if you leave it, it means leaving behind the protection that other members offer. Because we see that wolves are territorial in nature, it would be very dangerous for a lone wolf to cross into enemy territory. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm in a place right now in my life where I'm ready to cross into enemy territory and start taking back what the enemy's stolen. The things that maybe the enemy has tried to steal, I'm ready to go into enemy territory. But I can't do it alone. And you can't do it alone. And, and that we understand that isolated prey is weak prey. Because listen to this story side. If he can get, the enemy can get you to feel like you can do this life on your own. He's got you exactly where he needs you. Useless in isolation. Exactly where he wants you to be. Because there is power in unity and weakness in isolation. When I think of isolation, isolation would bring starvation. We see that wolves in nature, an isolated or a lone wolf will oftentimes get very anemic because it does not have the power, when you listen to me today, the power of the pack to bring down, whether it's elk, moose, you name it. A solitary wolf cannot, cannot bring down an animal of that size. So what will happen is they will get anemic and they will start to feed off of whatever is left of a carcass or anything and it will never be enough to feed or to satisfy what they truly need, the nutrition, all those things they need, and they will become anemic, and they will guaranteed eventually die. 
How does that apply to us today that we can get spiritually anemic? That we can pull back and before we know it, like, I don't understand why the enemy has a foothold in that area of my life. And I don't understand why he has a foothold in this area of my life. And then you think back, ah, I made a decision to isolate. I made a decision to, to pull back. And I don't think we can live a victorious life and be anemic Christians. There has to be something on the inside of us. There has to be something on the inside of Josiah that says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Yes, I know things are tough. Yes, I know life can be difficult. But as for me and my house, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to plant my feet. I'm not going to let, let the cares of the world affect me. I'm not going to allow life to dictate the narrative of my existence. I'm going to pursue you, Jesus. And out of that, you're going to do a work in me. And that's what God wants for you and I. And, and I'm not coming here to preach the house down. I'm here to just tell you a simple truth. That God desires for you to live a life of association, not isolation. Association, not isolation. God desires the creator of the universe. Father God desires to associate with you. And he would desire to associate with Josiah. Josiah is not perfect. Josiah's made mistakes. But he loves me so much that he died on the cross for me. So I could not or wouldn't have to live a life of isolation anymore. An existence without God. He created, he created and he ultimately bridged the gap for me. But if you could just even comprehend that today, that the God of the universe wants to be in association with you, you can understand how important it is that we are together. How important it is that we understand the power of being together, the power of, of unity, the power of a church that would say that I'm not content just to do this thing on my own. I am going to make a decision to do this together. Together. But well, we have to make sure that we are putting ourselves in positions that we don't starve ourselves. So if I could encourage you, and I know we're in unique times, but, but church should be the last thing that you put on the back burner. Should be the last thing that your spiritual walk, your faith, should be the last thing that you make a decision that says, well, I'll eventually get to it. Because life will isolate you naturally by default. Busyness will isolate you. Worry will isolate you. Fear will isolate you. And the whole time, I'm just encouraging you today that we are to be a church and let, let us be a people that would get back on track with association with God and just understand like, hey God, I'm going to live a life Based upon what you want, I'm going to live a life in association with you. I'm not going to make a decision to isolate as we wrap up, I, I just want to tell you, just give you some, just some handles of what does it mean to live a life in association. I think it requires that we choose the right pack, the right people. When it comes to choosing the right people, it, it's important to understand that 
The people you run with will determine the destination you're running to. That we have to be selective. If the people, if people, here's the thing. You can be around a bunch of friends, a bunch of people that you think are good for you, and they drive you, if they're driving you away from God, they're driving you into isolation. If they're causing you to live a life that's isolated from the things that benefit you most, they're probably not the right people for you. Just speaking frankly. All right, moving on. But we would see a wolf pack, a wolf pack, you would see that first off, I would say what we call alphas. There are alphas, people to follow. You see, you'll see and learn a lot about something, whether or not they're willing to follow. A lot of people want to lead. It seems, it seems fun and it, and it seems like it'd be a good time to lead. But the truth of the matter is, is that you have to learn to follow and never unlearn following in order to be a leader. It's never something that goes away, but, but it's important for us to understand that we need people to follow. Who, who are you following today? Who's somebody that's investing and pouring into your life? Somebody you would say, that's a voice in my life. That's somebody I'm going to, to follow. That they're going to guide you into association with Christ, not into isolation. That they're going to be a positive force for change in your life. Who is that person today? Who are you following? Because who you choose to follow matters. And Matthew says, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny, deny himself and take up his cross. Deny himself. So in order to truly follow, you have to deny some of your wants, some of your preferences, some of the things that maybe you want most in order for what's best for you. Oftentimes what we want most is not the best for us. It's usually the opposite I find in life. But we have to make sure that we don't become masters, masters of putting ourselves first, our wants, our needs, but that we understand it's important to, to follow. Next would be betas, that these would be people to rely on. You would see in a wolf pack that betas would be the second in command. They're always the most reliable. That you and I need to choose people in our lives that we can rely on. I don't know about you, I love being able to be, not that I'm 100% reliable, but I love being able to be reliable to people. And I know people that I could count on in a moment's notice that if I were to give them a call or to reach out, that they would be there for me. You have to find people that are reliable. These are your core people. These are best friends. These are your go-to allies, people to fight alongside because you and I can't do this on our own. We have to choose to associate because if you don't choose, the Bible talks about sharpening. Iron sharpens iron. That if something, if a knife was to be left in the drawer over time, it would dull naturally. But if there's friction, if there's community, if there's emphasis on relationship, I want you guys to get me this morning. If there's emphasis on relationship, God is going to sharpen you. It's going to sharpen who you are. It's going to sharpen your abilities, your giftings, your leadership, your calling. It's going to do all these things, but not if you isolate. As we wrap up, omegas, these would be considered the lowest of rank, but not because they're weak. But they would be the lowest, maybe some of the smaller ones, the up-and-coming ones, but... Omegas would be what I would call people 
to lead. People to lead. You may say, Pastor Josiah, I, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. You just don't realize who you're leading and where you're leading them to. That each one of us is leading somebody by default. You may say, well, I don't have people that are asking me questions. And, well, you're still leading people because people are watching you. So you're making the choice to lead them by default or, or by choice. You're making a choice that, okay, well, I'm not really leading. Well, by your influence, you are. By your influence, you are. That we lead people by default. You'll hear people say that on average, out in public, five to seven people will be watching you at all times. I'm not saying people are stalking you. I'm saying, I'm saying that people are watching how you conduct your life. So they may not be in your proximity, but they are watching how you conduct yourself on social media. They are watching how you handle yourself when you're under pressure. They are watching how you deal with correction. They are watching on how you deal with circumstances in life. People are watching, whether you know it or not. And we have to make sure that we understand the emphasis and the importance of leading people. So my question is, who are you leading? If you were to ask yourself that question today, who are you leading and what are you doing with the influence God has given you? Because everyone is meant, every one of us is meant to lead somebody to a greater purpose in Jesus. You're meant to do it. Isaac, you're meant to lead somebody to a greater purpose. Anna, you're meant to lead somebody to a greater purpose. Amber, you're meant to lead somebody to a greater purpose. We have to understand the importance of leading others. As we wrap up today, I just want to come full circle that isolation and association will always be will always be a choice. A choice. And you may say today, well, Pastor Josiah, you don't understand what happened to me, what put me into an isolated spot in my life. And that's fair. But also, too, there's still a choice to stay there. So you may not have chosen somebody putting you in an isolated spot, but you can choose whether or not you get out of that. You may have made a choice to, to put yourself there, too. We all have. We've all made choices at times to choose isolation over association. To, to, to emphasize, to think that what, what I can do it better on my own. Let me just handle it. If I could handle it. You know, I didn't, I didn't say this in the first service, but I was reminded... I was reminded of what God has done in my life and reminded that the decisions I made at times, whether I got angry at God, whether I made decisions, almost taking my destiny into my own hands, so to speak, being frustrated, maybe even unmet expectations. I had some of those. I had expectations that life would go one way, it went another way. And I chose to isolate myself from the very thing that was best for me. 
Can I just be real with you guys today? Because here's the thing. I'm not going to come up here, none of us do, that we have it all together. But there was a year of my life where I did not even go to church. Didn't even go to church. Didn't want to be around the things of God. Didn't want it because I just felt so isolated. So, like, just pulled back. And I just kept, I kept building walls. Putting myself into, into rooms that, and, and, and thought patterns that never belong there in the first place, things that God's left me, he's forsaken me, he doesn't care about me. And when I wrote this message, I wrote this message with many people like that in mind, but also just in general that every one of us is susceptible to that. Every one of us is, there, there are times of life that will try to force you to isolate, to pull back, there will be things you will encounter or have encountered that have put you into a situation. Isolation or association is a choice. It's a choice. And when I finally came to the conclusion that Josiah Daniel Booker came to the conclusion that my life on my own was not even close or comparable to the life and the purpose and the destiny that God had for me, things shifted. Took a year, very long year to get to that point for God to do a work in my heart. And I don't know, I don't know, and I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I know that God is a God that doesn't just want to leave us to ourselves. I know he's a God that doesn't want to just leave us to our own, but that he's a God that cares about us, that loves you so much that he made a decision on the cross that I am going to bridge the gap and you're no longer going to be isolated from my presence. You're no longer going to be isolated from my spirit. You're no longer going to be isolated from what's best for you. I'm going to bridge the gap. That is the God we serve. That's the God we serve. And, th and that is my challenge and my prayer for you today. Again, I'm not, I'm not up here trying to be something different. I, I'm, just, I'm just asking you to hear truth today. That God wants you and I to live a life filled with association. Association with his presence. Association means that you're familiar with it. Means that, it means that you're around it. Association with the will of God, the purpose and the plan for your life, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to pr prosper you, to give you a hope, give you a future. Do you believe that today? Or, But I, I'm, I'm believing that for you today. That, that as I've been speaking, that there are things in your life that you have chosen, you've made a choice to either stay in isolation or you made a choice just to put yourself there in the first place because of actions. But the truth of the matter is, is God's calling us back, calling the church back to live a life that is associated with each other and with his purpose, with his plan, with his destiny, with his presence. He's calling you back today. Can we bow our heads together? If you say today, I want to be sensitive to this, but I feel in my spirit feel very heavily that there are people in this room
that you are living an isolated life. An isolated life. I'm going to allow you to fill in the blank on that because that can look like a bunch of different things. That can mean that that you have gotten frustrated and pulled back from what you know God wants you to do. Maybe you've fallen into fear because of things you've seen and you've just made a decision. It's better to be alone. It's better to pull back. Maybe today you've made a decision. You're like, listen, I've, I, if you even knew, Pastor Josiah, what I'm dealing with, with my family and, and the, the things that have isolated and caused me to shrink back, if you just knew today, God knows. God knows. And he's asking you this morning at 11.57 a.m., he's asking you, are you willing, are you willing, are you willing Are you willing to make the choice today to live a life of association? Are you willing to step out of your isolated mentality? Are you willing to step out of maybe it was comfortable? Maybe you've gotten very comfortable with it. Are you willing to step out? If that's you today, you're saying, I'm willing to step out of that. I want you to raise your hand today. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for every hand. Thank you for every hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I speak in the name of Jesus. I speak over every person in this room. And even what the enemy has intended to destroy, to isolate, to maim, to hurt, God, we just speak life in the name of Jesus. And I just pray even today that we would become associated with your presence, that, God, it would be familiar. God, we would come back to your heart. God, I pray that you would bridge the gap for every person in this room today. And, God, even as the song says, there's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up. God, you love us that much. And, God, I pray even the name of Jesus that every marriage in this place, every family, that's isolated, every marriage that's pulled back, every business owner, God, that you would reach them as only you can, that your presence would inundate inside them, God, and it would be something so powerful. They would make a choice today to associate with you, God, to come back to the Father's heart, to come back to your spirit, to come back to joy, to come back to peace, to come back to the things that are best for them, God. They would make a decision today, and they would know that isolation does not have to be does not have to be their condition today. That isolation does not, the lie of the enemy would say it's your condition. And today God's saying it's not your condition. It's time to come back to association today. God, we speak that in the name of Jesus. Speak that in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.